but bitch, you just lit the fuse. Don't get misconstrued. Business is used. Shitless renewed. So get shit to do or get this, cause I just don't get what the fuck half the shit is that you're listening to, dude. It's my Welcome back. We are back to another edition of the Fantasy 40 Podcast with myself, John Debari, my co-host, Matt Walker, and as always, brought to you by our friends at Expand the Box Score. So, Super Bowl is upon us in a couple of weeks. The AFC-NFC Championship games are behind us. I'm sure there's a few things we want to get off our chest about that. As you can hear, uh, <laughs> suffering with a little laryngitis, but I'm going to push through for our purposes here. But the big thing today is going to be the introduction to this uh, 24 rookie uh, class. I know Walk is a little more versed in these guys than I am every year, but this is my first time to get the names on paper and then start doing my research here. Start adjusting my rankings as we go forward. So if you have done no research, it's a good place to start picking up the names and who to know. So Walk, how are you and where you want to get started? Uh, I'm doing better than your larynx is doing apparently, but you are, you are a true gamer. Um, yeah. So this is post, uh, divisional, I guess, conference championship weekend. Uh, you know, we're, we're walking into the lull of the, the stupid useless pro bowl. Um, that's now in Orlando, Florida before (laughs) the super bowl comes. Wait a minute. I didn't even know it's this weekend. The pro bowl is this weekend now. Yeah, it's always the weekend. Well, I guess well, maybe not always, but yeah, it's the weekend in between the playoffs and the. Oh, now now that you're saying it, I remember them changing. <clears throat> yeah. Anyway, so, so and and, no and for those that don't know, there's no games being played. It's it's flag football, and then there's all a bunch of like dodgeball and other you know childish activities that they have these grown men playing. Uh, I guess for our amusement, I I don't watch. Um, it's. It's ridiculous. Just give them the award, cancel the event, call it a day. But then in two weeks, the Super Bowl comes to John's backyard in Las Vegas. And as everyone knows at this point in time, it'll be the Kansas City Chiefs versus the San Francisco 49ers. I was rooting for both other teams. Um, Nothing against Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and the Chiefs, but I've seen enough. I'm anti-dynasty, unless it's my Eagles, so... I wanted the Ravens to uh, get a crack at it. And then, you know, the 49ers have kind of become my new Dallas Cowboys where that that's the NFC team I, I loathe. I don't like their fans. I don't like their team. You know, I like their players for fancy purposes, but I wanted them to lose so bad. I didn't think for a second they were going to lose, but I was rooting Detroit. And then the way that first half went, I couldn't imagine being a, a Detroit Lions fan um, and thinking your ticket was getting punched to the Super Bowl um, only to epically collapse um, through – a litany of piss poor decisions in my humble opinion um, in the second half. So um, it was a, it was a tough finish uh, to the weekend. So what were your thoughts on, uh, on the games on Sunday? So I slept through the whole chiefs and <laughs> Ravens game. I saw none of it. So I have no insight, but I was kind of with you. Um, really hoping Baltimore and, and, and I, I was buying into the uh, you know 
wearing my tinfoil hat thing. I, I was of the belief that it was going to be Niners in Baltimore based on the colors of the logo because everything's rigged. So I, I woke up to see that the Baltimore lost. I was a little bummed. And then I didn't get to see all of the Detroit game. I watched a good chunk of the, the first half, and then I was driving for a little bit. And then uh, I was away from the TV to watch the implosion. Yeah. Uh, I, I, was, I was lucky enough to see the fucking terrible <laughs> decision to not kick that field. Uh, Which one? Able to tie it. <laughs> the, the, the second, the second, second fourth down attempt in the second half. Okay. <clears throat> Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, and, and I was hope, pulling for Detroit big time. Um, my son is of the age now where he's really getting into sports. And yeah, he was, uh, for, I don't know why he picked Detroit, but yeah, he was quite disgusted by uh, <laughs> everything. Every time the Niners started scoring, he would just put his head down. It was actually funny. Uh, but yeah, I, I, and it should have been Detroit. And the thing with the Super Bowl now, though, is I don't think the Niners should have been Green Bay. I don't think the Niners should have been uh, Detroit. I, I think Kansas City kicks the fuck out of them. I'm surprised the Niners are the favorite. Yeah. Um, I think player for player, you know, the Niners would probably get the edge. But, you know, experience is heavily on the side of the Chiefs. I agree with you wholeheartedly. They could have lost to Green Bay and they should have lost to Detroit. I mean that's I think they that, should have lost to Green Bay. I, I agree. But I'm saying they, they should have. They were down 17 in the going into halftime in Detroit. If Detroit yeah. didn't totally throw up all over themselves, you know, in, in the second half and make a, 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 quite a few shit decisions. Um the first of which Dan Campbell's two fourth down um, attempts. One was to put them back up 17 after uh, San Fran kicked a field goal in the third quarter. Just push that lead back up again. You know, just maintain. You got points for points. They scored three, score three. You know, and then again, the second was when they're down three in the fourth quarter and he goes for it when they're in field goal range rather than tying the game because he didn't want to give the ball back to them. You know, it just it, Truly, it's an indictment on his defense is what it is in his you know decisions to go for all these fourth downs. I also thought his decision not to go for it on fourth down right before <clears throat> halftime from the three-yard line was the wrong decision. I disagreed with all three of Dan Campbell's decisions on fourth down in the game. I think you clearly try and punch it in from the three-yard line out before halftime, and then you clearly kick both field goals in the second half. So I would be a, I would be a distraught Lions fan. Right now, uh, if, if, if I had to watch that. The first game you slept through, if you were awake when it started, it probably would have put you to sleep. So, <laughs> you know, it, the, you, you got the outcome that most of it did. It was boring. It was a defensive battle, which is not what anyone came for. Um, at, at the end, there was three points scored in the entire second half of this game. I did um, see that Baltimore only had six rushes. Yeah, that's the that's that's going through non Lamar Jackson carries um, by the running backs. They did give Zay Flowers too as well. So I mean, you could say eight, but yes, running back carries. Gus Edwards and Justice Hill each had three. They totally abandoned the run, and Lamar Jackson threw it thirty-seven times in a largely one-score game. Uh, it was seven-seven at the end of the first quarter. It was seventeen-ten at halftime. So it never got more than a ten-point game, um, and. 
Baltimore just stopped running it altogether. Um, a lot of stack boxes, but uh, Kansas City, you know, bet you know begging them to throw the ball, and that's just not how Baltimore wins games. They they were taken out of their game very very quickly, um, and it led to an ugly offensive effort. Also, Zay Flowers fumbled it at the one inch line. I did see that by an unbelievable play by Legarius Sneed, um, which was game changing. Clearly, I mean that would have made it a you know a uh, field goal game uh, at that point in time. Instead, Kansas City gets the ball back, so. Could have ended differently, but didn't. And, you know, Kansas City's going back. And then, yeah, to that Lions-San Fran game, I mean, just – and then second half, uh, Jameer Gibbs fumbles on his first rush in the second half and, you know, sets San Fran up in plus territory. And then he sees one carry the rest of the game. Like, they 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 punish him in that scenario when they need offense more than ever. It's just – it's mind-numbing. What, you know, and what they did. And I get that referring to the coaches, I, I understand they're under a shit ton of pressure and who knows what decisions I would make in those spots. But like for Dan Campbell, as far as I know, he's not an analytics guy, right? Like he just thinks he should go for it. There's really not. Yeah. I, I don't know. believe he's got someone in his ear saying, you know, no, he's just, going by says, his, yeah, the data says you could go for it. He's a feel guy. He, yeah. yeah. His gut tells him go for it. He goes for it, which, on one hand, I kind of like it, but the other hand, it's <laughs> also not Listen, great. One could say that it well, it it cost them the Dallas game during the regular season, where yeah. you remember where they went for two like three different times after scoring yeah. a touchdown with penalties, the last of which came from like ten plus yards out. Oh, that was you, the game with that goofy fucking yeah, with I the eligible didn't declare yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah, eligible yeah, yeah. thing where he scored a touchdown, then they had a penalty, then they got another penalty. It, and he just refused to kick the field goal or the extra point to tie it and go to overtime. He refused and they didn't score. And then in this game, yeah, the same, just clear situations where, I mean, you, you do the thing and this dude just did the opposite. You know so what though? Like, there, as much mean, as I love the guy, like he's like a run through the wall guy. I <laughs> listen, if I'm like Detroit ownership, I'm like, all right, listen, we gotta, we gotta throttle back this, this fourth down shit. Like, you, you you don't have full autonomy anymore. We're going to have – we're adding an analytics guy, right? Where Unless you both agree, <laughs> you don't get to do it. Yeah. There is a thing, too, like, I think about when Rivera was with the Panthers, right? And oh, Riverboat Ron that one year, huh? Yes. There is something to that where that, that kind of shit probably wins you more games – then loses you in the regular season. But yeah, I think once you're in the playoffs, not play it safe, but you obviously are fucking kicking the field goal to tie at the 15 idiot. <laughs> not uh, going for two. Like I, I would have even, that was the thing too. When I watched it on TV, I didn't really know where they were on the field at the time. Cause it was coming and going. So when they didn't get it, I was like, uh, what's he at? Like the 45, he doesn't want to kick a 60 yard field goal and fucking possibly miss it or punt from there. I, I so I was like, uh, and then I saw when they zoomed out, I was like, oh shit, this idiot was on, what was he on the 12 or something? I was like, oh no, 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 no. Yeah. So, uh, in the third quarter, when he went for it on fourth down, he was on the 28 yard line. So 45 yard field goal standard. 
And then in the fourth quarter, when he went for it and didn't get it on fourth down, he was at the 30. So 47-yard field goal. So both. But I was closer than that. Extremely reasonable field goal attempts in, in both of those scenarios, 45 and 47 yards, where he didn't even hesitate to go for it. There was, there was, and the time he kicks the field goal at halftime, you saw he was super conflicted. The offense was like on the field for like the first like 10 seconds, 15 seconds of the, of the play clock. And then he sent out the, the kick a team. Like he just never wants to kick field goals. Like it's really not even feel it's just, he's anti field goal. <clears throat> like it's just, if, if he like committed, if he just fully, <laughs> if you would just fully it. commit to it, I would be, more in favor, like we've talked about it before. But you always hear the stories. There's these like high school teams that never punt, never kick a field goal, and they end up going like thirteen and one every year. Like if, if that was his thing, then you can't justify most of your other stupid field goals. Yeah, you can't justify the field goal that you kicked at halftime when you're going for it on fourth and two from like the thirty plus yard line, but you won't go for it fourth and goal from the three yard line, like. Three yards is three yards, Chief. Mm. If you feel that good about your players, you, you go get that seven points right there. Would have been, like you said, you, you know, not, not necessarily anti-Chiefs dynasty, but yeah, it would have been nice to see some new teams in there. This was the Super Bowl, what, three years ago? Uh, Yeah. Boo. Yeah, I don't want to see this yeah, shit not, anymore. Yeah. It was like, I mean, you and me and you were the same age. Fucking, how, how boring was that? Uh, Oh, Dallas and the Bills again, or you know, oh yeah, Washington Dallas, yeah, Dallas. Dallas. against the NFC East. Yeah, it was like this is terrible. Yeah. I mean, this is like the, the NFL Red River rivalry here. It's like which which red team do we not want to win? Yeah, very thumbs down. But yes, I'm now I'm rooting for the Chiefs, and I have heavy Chief exposure in all my uh, fantasy leagues. So. I want them to win, and now I need them to win. And we were talking before I went live. A 49ers fan threw a drink in my face over the weekend. So now I really like Kansas City. If I needed more reason. Exactly. The 49ers. I hate them more because of what you experienced over the weekend. All right. From there on to news that just came across my phone as we were talking before we went live. And it's not official, but it's unofficially official. The Pittsburgh Steelers are hiring Arthur Smith as their offensive coordinator. Is this the thing you said you wanted to get my reaction? <laughs> was that, yeah, was that your reaction? Uh, I mean, look, he was an okay offensive coordinator in Tennessee. I think this is good for the running backs. They're already in a timeshare. I think he likes that. I think they both get a little bump in value. Um, thinking back to his time in Tennessee – what did he have? Was those the AJ Brown days? He did have AJ Brown for some of his time. <laughs> yeah. So it gives me a little hope to filter some of this shit through Traylon Burks. Uh, hopefully, third year breakout happens. Um, I mean, it's not exciting. It, it, if they hired him as the OC coming from. Tennessee originally, I think people would not have any real feeling about it one way or the other, but just what an abysmal dog shit head coach he was, especially for fantasy purposes, leaves a real <laughs> sour taste in your mouth. That's where I'm at. It's just, you know, that this guy gets, you know, immediate opportunity again, you know, after the shit he pulled 
the last several years in Atlanta. I think the NFL should have made him sit out a year, you know, and think about what he did to the Atlanta Falcons offensive skill players. But but no, and yeah, I, I guess he he walked into the the interview room with uh, Mike Tomlin and was like, "You think your running back room is muddy now? <laughs> I can I can slather that shit up. We'll find a third guy." That we can wedge in there for fifteen percent of your snaps. Like I really don't, to be honest, for the running backs, I don't hate it. Cause I kind now we kind of have an idea, right? Going into this year, the last couple of years, it's like, oh, Warren's trending up at the end of last year. Maybe he takes the job and then and Harris kind of battles a bit. Now you're you kind of know going into next year. Touches wise, it's probably gonna be pretty damn close to 50-50, which for me is fine for fantasy. Like I, you know. Like you said, until he brings in a third guy and really muddles it. I don't. If you take the emotion out of it, I don't hate it as much as you think I would probably hate it. I think uh, as an OC, he was all right in Tennessee. It was just this fucking (laughs) burying of, you know, people love Drake London. Not I, but people loved him. People love Kyle Pitts, Bijan. So to have those assets from a fantasy point of view <laughs> turn them all into fucking garbage <laughs> i think the fantasy community is more disgusted than real football yeah all right who's the starting quarterback for the pittsburgh steelers next year oh that's a good fucking question <clears throat> boy boy i hope it's kenny pickett for me but look if the stories were true that he said i'm not even getting dressed if i'm not starting that's a real prick move and if that's true i can't see it but mason rudolph's a free agent if i'm not mistaken so yes I, I mean i don't know what pickett's getting paid he was a first round pick as a quarterback middle of the first i don't know what that slot is i, I don't know how much money they want to tie up in two quarterbacks um and again if pickett really did say a lot of the shit that was reported and they want to go with Rudolph, and they want to pay him. Pickett might be on his way out completely. It's e- it's either Pickett or Pickett's on another team. I don't see Pickett taking that backup role. But they're not. I don't. What the fuck are you going to pay Mason Rudolph? Even <clears throat> you know, cheap by today's standards. We're going to give him a two-year fucking forty million dollar deal. That's pretty crazy, actually. But that would be market value for him now. Yeah. Entirely crazy. Kenny Pickett was a four-year, $14 million deal. He's already halfway through it. Uh, He's two seasons in. So he's got two left, clearly not getting the fifth-year option picked off, and not do a ton of cash. Yearly cash, he's due less than roughly like $4.5 million over the next two years. Um, So he's cheap now. To your point, if he's refusing to be a backup, um, you know, What's the alternative? They said that they were going to bring in like competition. What? what okay, you're bringing Mason Rudolph back. You know, you're you're going to have Mitchell Trubisky there. Like, I don't know what the the free agent market looks like because you know they're not bringing in like a Russell Wilson to compete against them or you know a uh, Kirk Cousins. Neither of those guys are going to Pittsburgh, right? So I can't imagine what's out there competition wise, um, that of any significance. The I think the irony is. You know what pick uh, Kenny Pickett was in the 2022 draft? 2016 or something. He was pick number 20. Do you know what pick the Pittsburgh Steelers have in the 2024 NFL draft? It's going to be 20. 
<laughs> you nailed it, buddy. And <laughs> this is a deep quarterback class. I think they need to uh, admit their mistakes and evaluate the shit out of these quarterback prospects. Um, because look, they just brought it, in the OC that went with Desmond Ritter. So my my hopes are not super high. Oh yeah, I'm for NFL purposes. Pittsburgh needs to fix their mistake, and it's by taking another shot at a quarterback because Pickett Pickett ain't it, and sure as shit, Mason Rudolph ain't it. Either, and when you make the decision to go to Rudolph and then stay with him over your first round pick, you totally just indicted your first round pick. You got, I mean, they have and they have great weapons. I love they, their top two receivers. Great tight end. Yeah, I, I like both running backs. Yeah, yeah, a lot of weapons around. Yeah, they just are missing the trigger man. So interesting, interesting. But yeah, that was the the one thing. Uh, I wanted to to raise, yes, and it's mostly because he, he caught the ire of the entire fantasy community this past year before Dennis Allen and Jameis Winston, you know, stuck the knife in him in week 18 and finished off his head coaching career for eternity. So maybe he's uh, back in his element as an OC only um, instead of the CEO of the team, and he can he can fix this Pittsburgh offense, which is broken as well. So. From there, we will smooth transition. Talking about quarterbacks. Boom. 2024 rookie rankings. Anyone that follows us knows we are fluid in our approach. We go pre-combine. We go post-combine. We go post-NFL draft. These are all important data points for us in the process. So this is first blush to John's point. He really doesn't even dive into rookies until after the NFL season. I dabble. Um, senior, senior bowl weekend <laughs> a little bit it's, it's and a it's senior bowl <laughs> right so we're seeing all the height weight measurables of these guys all the little clips from our buddies that are mm-hmm. down there d bros down there jason d rienzo's down there um thor nystrom's there you know tons of other guys are are on site um down in mobile getting a look at some of these uh these players and it's a lot bigger pool because they've expanded it beyond just like typical seniors that are invited now um, I don't know what the additional criteria is, but it's not just seniors that are in, that, that get invited to the senior bowl, um, I believe. So it's a big pool this year, um, pretty much at every every offensive position that we care about. There's a lot of names you know, that we're going to be uh, discussing ad nauseum over the next several months. So start off with the quarterback position. There's there's really mm-hmm. nothing to see at the top. Right. And this is. Just about consensus, I I would say, at this point in time. Um, And it's Caleb Williams at one, Drake May at two, Jaden Daniels at three, J.J. McCarthy at four. Um, I know some people have Drake May above Caleb Williams, and I I wouldn't argue with those people at all. Um, I don't think the gap is as significant as people, you know, some people make it out to be. I really do like Drake May. I do believe Caleb Williams is a special talent. Don't get me wrong, but I really like May as well. Um, so I'm not going as far to say one A and one B, but it's not like Caleb Williams in a tier by himself. And then the rest, do you, how do you feel about those top two and the top four overall? I do not really like Caleb Williams. <laughs> like you said, this is our first look, just ranking them. <laughs> and I am very prone to big swings. I mean, off the top of my head, this guy's 
underperformed in a lot of big games and in the NFL, every game's a big game almost. So I, he's already kind of sort of in my head. The only reason he's ahead of May is because I haven't seen a ton of Drake May. I would be open to moving Jaden Daniels above him as well. Uh, if McCarthy looks good at the combine or Penix, Penix <laughs> looks good at the combine, I could put Caleb Williams at five and I would not feel bad about it. I have a first overall pick in a league where I really need quarterback and I, I hate being there because I feel like I have to take him. And I, I, I'm, if you had, to, if I had to pick a bust out of the top five, it's Caleb Williams. Yeah, I had probably a bridge too far for me, but I get where you're where you're going. I I find myself in one league where I landed the the mm-hmm. 101 and the 103 in, in a super flex league, and I'm pretty much already committed to going mm-hmm. with uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. at one, and then taking whatever quarterback doesn't oh. go. To. Yeah, no, I like that's a great idea. Yeah, I like uh, just. Uh, I'll let someone else make the decision for me. I'll get yeah. the generational receiver and still get a top quarterback out of the deal and not yeah, have to. It's a great decision. Yeah. Not have to make any, you know, wrong moves in the process. I mean, there is a world, I guess I could go Caleb Williams if he's my one and the number two takes Drake May and I still get Marvin Harrison at three, but you know, I, I don't also want to go double quarterback. And if Marvin Harrison goes two, I would take Drake May at three with the like hopes of trading him, which is never what I want to do. You know, even with that type mm-hmm. of, you know, super flex value, I wouldn't want that to happen to me. So I feel like the easiest thing for me to do is take Marvin Harrison Jr. And then. No, know. yeah, that's it. I, I love the thought process. Yeah. Um, but I'm with you if you're holding just that one on one. You I don't you can't take Harrison over these two because of the positional scarcity in the super and I need now. one yeah I, I exactly need a quarter. <laughs> yeah you know, and I believe Caleb Williams is going to go first overall I don't know who it's going to be too if it's the Chicago it's not bad because they have weapons there and they have you know the what the fourth or fifth pick uh, as well where they can you know if they really wanted to add a Malik neighbors you know to the equation type thing. Right. I'm sorry, they have nine. I don't know what I was saying for nine, which neighbors might be gone by then, but they'll still be able to get talent. I mean, get a Brock Bowers, you know, at nine and you know, put that into that offense. I mean, I would think they're going to focus on offense when they pick, but I also do like May. So roundabout way of saying those four are probably going to be the top four, regardless, you know, for me. I think there's a clear delineation. J.D. McCarthy's a ton of projection, but he's young, um, and he's been he's he's kind of game you know game hardened at this point in time with Michigan, um, and I like the prospects uh, of him, but you know the other guys it's that we've seen them for so long, you know in college these guys are are super duper seniors at this point in time. I mean. I have Bo Nix at five. You have Bo Nix at six. <clears throat> you have Michael Penix, Penix, whatever, at five. I have him at seven. I'm going to laugh. I'm going to laugh like I'm six years old. <laughs> yeah. You have him at five. I have him at seven. You know, I have Michael Pratt up at six. You have <laughs> Pratt at nine. You have Joe Milton at seven. I have Joe Milton at nine. You have Jordan Travis at eight. I have Jordan Travis at 10. You have Spencer Rattler at 10. I have Spencer Rattler at eight. That That is all subject to change. It's going to be 
not only senior bowl mm-hmm. for some of these guys. I mean, a good amount. Knicks, Pratt, uh, Penix, Rattler, Milton are all playing in the senior bowl or at least participating. I don't know if they'll ultimately end up playing in the game. I know some guys don't do that, but they're all down there. So they're all, they've all got measured. They're all practicing. They're all throwing, you know, we're, we're going to get a feel for these guys in the same environment um, in short order. So probably pointless to really go through, you know, any type of significant analysis at this point to what I will tell you. And I think, if you look at Michael Pratt, he will grow on you a little bit. The kid's completion percentage has increased every year You know that he was at Tulane. He's a 3-to-1 TD to interception ratio, and he also contributed 28 rushing touchdowns during his time with the Green Wave. These are just boxes I like. Um, yeah, he's, for, he's for only at nine for me because I've never seen Tulane play. Um, <clears throat> as we dig into research over the next couple of weeks, yeah, I, I – Based on what you've told me about him, I, I suspect he'll be sliding up. Yeah, I'm just a big fan uh, of <clears throat> Pratt, and he came out as a junior, which leads me to believe that he got some some good news from the NFL about where he's going. You know, likely to go mm-hmm. in the draft. I think he ultimately has a day two prospect, um, you know, round two, round three type. You know that. I'm I'm all I'm all for at this point in time. And when comparing him against Penix, it's you know, it's just my preferred MP. You know, Penix is tw- he'll be 24 years old in May. He's been in college since 2018, which is just staggering <laughs> to me. And there wasn't a single person that was can, that would consider drafting the Louisville version of of Penix. I mean, he, he exploded in Washington, and good for him. He was doing it as a 22 and a 23-year-old. I, I count that into my <clears> equation, just in someone that is just older and more experienced than their competition. I mean, this kid's playing against kids that are 18, 19, 20 years old. Like, he doesn't get all the credit for what he did at Washington at the tail end of his career for me. He's also had three separate massive injuries, two ACLs and a shoulder injury for a quarterback that's already immobile. No fucking thank you. I think he's going to get flushed in the draft once his medicals come out um, of the combine. And he's going to end up being like a Hendon hooker type guy yeah. where you just, he, he falls in your rookie drafts. And you, at some point you're just like, well, he's, it's a super flex. I'm going to take him," And you just hope he finds his way onto the field at some point in his career. I, I'm just, I am not high. Penix is another one of those like super college quarterbacks where you, I just don't, I don't ever see it translating into the NFL, you know, great arm, you know, can make every throw, blah, blah, blah. But you know, his, his decent pocket mobility, but I had so many red flags on this guy. And from a fantasy perspective, he just, he brings nothing with his legs. So not, not something, not a, not a profile I'm at all interested in, in my uh, rookie drafts. There's, there's a few guys, Drake Mays, one of them. Uh, Penix is another Jordan Travis. <clears throat> They've all got oh Jane and Daniels too. They've all got a top wide receiver or multiple receivers in this class as well. And I, I mentioned this when we talked to Jason last year. I, I always have a trub, trouble evaluating. I mean, sometimes they might both be good, but you know, is Jaden Daniels good because he gets to throw to Malik Neighbors? Is uh, Jordan Travis good because he gets to throw to Keon Coleman. Like, you know what I mean? Is, is Keon Coleman 
making Jordan Travis better or is Jordan Travis making Coleman better? Because we have this conversation back to full circle to Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett played with Jordan Jordan Addison and then Jordan Addison got to play with Caleb Williams. It's like. And then we saw what Jordan Addison did in his rookie year too. Yeah. So they both sure looked good when they Mm -hmm. got him to fucking throw to. So I, 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 go into these drafts now just a little scared when they have what's viewed to be an elite weapon going into the draft. Like how much of it is really them or how much is, is the guys they have catching the ball. So I I get a little scared, but of course we're super early into this. We got to see what happens at the combine and where they get drafted. Yeah. It's, it's really hard to separate the two and we're not, you know, film evaluators, you know, at, at the end of the day. So to be able to separate the cart from the horse um, is, is difficult. Jordan Travis, yet another um, super duper senior. He has also been in college since 2018. And interestingly enough, he started his college career at University of Louisville as well. So clearly um, people don't want to stay at Louisville, um, but people at Louisville also stay in I college. Thought Penix, I thought Phoenix Penix went to, Indiana. Yeah, he's an Indiana guy, not Louisville. Oh, you're absolutely right. I, I think I was thinking Travis or Louisville. You're right. He was, yes, yeah, sorry, he was Indiana. You're absolutely correct. So let me amend my statement. No one was drafting Indiana Penix you know, a few years ago. You're right. I, I don't know why I was thinking of the same red uniform, you know, red, um, but appropriate distinction there. But yes, Jordan Travis was a Louisville player for one season before transferring and spending like the last several years of his life at Florida State. Um, also huge injury, another super college guy. I don't have high hopes for him. He's also on the shorter side. He's probably going to be like six foot in the you know, maybe 200 pound range. Um, when it's all said and done. So he's another guy. I'm not going to put any, uh, any stock in, uh, as far as quarterbacks are concerned. Anything else you wanted to talk about with too, quarterback too much quarterback. Let's move on. I agree. All right. To the running back <clears throat> position. So, do have a little dissension uh, at the top, which is good. Nothing of significance, though. So our top three in different orders are Trey Benson, Braylon Allen, Jonathan Brooks. Both of our fours are Blake Corum. So our top four are all the same, much like our quarterback position. Really nothing to see here. Your five is Bucky Irving, who is way down at six for me. My five is Marshall and Lloyd, who you have down at eight. So a little bit more of a fall, but we'll just run through the rest of your top 10. So Bucky Everman is your five. Will Shipley's your six. Audric Esteem, or Estime, I don't know how to pronounce that. And Notre Dame's your seven. Marshall and Lloyd, eight. Ray Davis, nine. And then Dejan Edwards of Georgia is 10 for you. While the rest of my top five are Bucky Irvin at six, Jalen Wright at seven, Audric Estime at eight, Cody Schrader at nine, and then Dylan Johnson at 10. Tell me why you have Will Shipley so unbelievably. So, like I said, not very familiar with a lot of these guys. When I build these very initial rankings, I kind of have to look around at um, other people's rankings and where they have people and, that was kind of where he plugged in with other people. So <laughs> I, I've seen none of him, but I yeah compared other uh, rankings floating around out there on the interwebs, and I thought uh, that's where he belonged right now. 
Okay. Yeah, I mean, decent production in the ACC, 5.2 yards <clears throat> per carry, career average. Um, also caught 85 passes, you know, 230 reception seasons on his resume, you know, 7.1 yards per reception. Only scored two receiving touchdowns his entire career. So a productive guy, you know, over 3,300 yards and 33 total touchdowns in three years, including 11 rushing touchdowns his freshman season in, in 2021. So college production's there. Checks a lot of boxes, right? You know, checks the receptions box, you know, production as a running back, yada, yada. I just, I just, I don't know. I I don't ever feel like he got any better from his freshman season, and that program suffered a little bit. Um, he does have prototype size at the five eleven, kind of two hundred pound mark, but I just don't. I, one, he's never going to be a lead back in an offense, and I also, for a pass catcher, don't think he's that dynamic when he catches the ball. That he's ever going to be the the passing downs back for a team. So he's going to go probably, I would think, late day three and will be extremely landing spot dependent if I'm even at all interested in Shipley, who is my running back 12 right now. So it's not like I have the guy totally off my radar, but he's a, he's a guy that I'm, I've kind of waned on. And I don't know if it's like fatigue. He was a Devy guy from his freshman year, but I just didn't see a player that got any better over his, his final two, two years at Clemson. So little, uh, little out on Will Shipley at present. Now, the guy that I've been hyping up ad nauseum is Jalen Wright at seven. You have him at 12, which I know he's going to start bubbling up for you as well because <laughs> I, he, I just love this kid. I actually had the pleasure of <clears throat> seeing a Tennessee-Georgia game in person in Knoxville earlier this year, or sorry, not earlier this year, late last year. Um and uh, he busted off an 80-yard touchdown on the first carry of the game, and I lost my mind because one, <laughs> he was like the only player I knew <laughs> on the team, um, other than Joe Milton. But he was largely like held in check the rest of the game. But Tennessee fell apart. Georgia bludgeoned them, and uh, that was that. But then it got me. I had I already liked the player, and then I really started digging in. And the more tape I watch of this kid, John, I see Aaron Jones. Oh no! Don't get me going. He's only twenty-two. He's young. Twenty, also. Yeah, unfortunately, he's one he's of the youngest guys. Yeah, he's rehabbing an injury, so he's not at the Senior <clears> Bowl. <throat> um, he was invited, and I think he accepted, but he's not there. Um, he stayed in Tennessee to rehab his injury, so I'm assuming he'll be at the combine, um, and we'll get measurements and testing there for him. But yeah, I am. I'm a big fan of Jalen Wright is the body type 5'11", 200, very similar to a Will Shipley. But this kid has lateral agility and home run speed. And those are like the things that really stuck out to me to Aaron Jones. I mean, Jones was a guy like he was getting hit in the thighs and at UTEP and he was just spinning out of that hit or like jumping sideways as he was getting hit or being able to like back up, like retract to get out of contact and then explode again. I just, I see a lot of Aaron Jones and Jalen Wright. And I, I will have a lot of Jalen Wright. I'm assuming you, you know, trying to get early second round picks so that I can secure that kid's services. But what I, the guy, another guy I wanted to talk to you about is tell me about this, these, these Georgia backs that you have here, because I don't have either of them in my top 20. And I know who both of them are. I mean, Kendall Milton's been around forever. Um, but why are these guys in you know, that 10 to 13 range for you at present. 
Yeah. So <clears throat> again, I, I don't watch any college. So now I'm getting back into it here, going off other people's rankings, kind of doing uh, a, a consensus uh, starting point for myself. And they get the little bump with the Georgia running backs, with the exception of <laughs> Vander Holyfield's kid. They've all at least been decent in the NFL. And then we got, uh, what's his name, last year, McIntosh, who didn't do much with uh, Seattle. But <clears throat> I get I give these SEC guys a little bump if you're successful in college. In the SEC, pretty much playing NFL defensive players <laughs> week in and week out. Uh, I think you have a good chance at success. Again, I'm not married to where I have them. It was kind of a expert consensus ranking that I adopted as my own, moved a couple people around. I actually meant to move Jason McClellan up a little bit, and I did not do that yet. Um, but, yeah, that they, they, they wear the right uniform, and they play in the SEC, and other people seem to like them. So I, I felt like uh, that was a good spot to plug them in. Yeah, so these two guys have pretty much shared the Georgia backfield the last two years. I mean, Kenny McIntosh was the lead dog a year ago, but they both still had significant run. They didn't do a lot. Mm -hmm. They're both seniors. They, neither of them did a lot their freshman and sophomore year before they finally got an opportunity in 22 and then again in 23. And, yeah, I mean, they uh, they, they they put up stats. You know I mean? They, they were the one-two punch <laughs> in the rushing game. Edwards had 13 rushing touchdowns. Kendall Milton had 14 rushing touchdowns. The Georgia offense was just a machine as well. The, I'm glad you have the two the way you do because Kendall Milton is, is like allergic to catching passes and not like it was the biggest, you know, function of the Georgia offense, but he just never did it. I mean, it, it, it's insane. His lack of pass game utility. He had, he had 12 total receptions in four years at Georgia. Now, uh, Dejan, I assume it's Dejan Edwards, far more involved in the passing game. I do like his game more than the other two. I just wasn't crazy about either guy. Um, Edwards is more likely to find his way into my top 20 as we go through this processing than Kendall Milton would be. My 10 where you have Edwards is Dylan Johnson. Now, I thought you would love Dylan Johnson. Now, you will love Dylan. Let me start with this. You're, you're going to love Dylan Johnson. <laughs> yeah, I, when, I, when, I, I, I am a fan. Like I said, I, I kind of I got a copy and paste of where I had these guys. He was another one I uh, would like to slide up, but I, I do like him. Yeah, so he he is at your eleven. You know, so you're you're right there in the process. Super productive player in a part-time role at Mississippi State. 173 career receptions, John. 65 in a season. Now this is a Mike Leach offense, so there's really. Yeah, yeah. Take yeah, put take it with a grain of salt. Put an asterisk there. Mike Leach peppers his running backs with targets. I wish there were more Mike Leaches in the NFL. Um, but he tra he transferred to Washington and he exploded this past year. Um, I think he's a guy that will probably be within my top eight. Um, you know, if, if things continue to progress in the right direction, uh, in short order, I mean, he could find his way on top of some other guys like, like a Bucky Irving who I like the player. He's just really small. Um, he's a space back where sure Jameer Gibbs hit and, uh, <laughs> I was all in on Jameer Gibbs, but much like Devon H and who's another undersized back, they both landed in literally the perfect spots for the mm -hmm. two of them. I mean, their games don't equate in the same way if they en end up in, Name any other two offenses um, in, in the NFL for their skill set. So he's a guy that landing spot is going to be crucial for 
for my final ranking of, of Bucky Irving. Um, a few more guys as, as we go down. Um, Dylan Lobb, who's a New Hampshire product, who's you know a pass catcher from New Hampshire, is is already gaining a lot of steam. I have him at eleven already. You already had him at fifteen. I didn't know about this guy one month ago, and now he's in my top twelve. So shows you, I guess, the state of the position. Also, you know the the potential of the player. I just like his his upside, and I need to do a lot more digging as you know New mm-hmm. Hampshire tape and you know, information isn't as readily available uh, as some of these other programs. Then the last guy I did want to talk about, because we have a lot of the kind of lower list, mm-hmm. a lot of senior bowl guys, the the Isaiah Davises, the Jawar Jordans, uh, oh. and the like. Um, but I want to talk about Frank Gore Jr. You have Frank Gore Jr. at 14. He's a 20 for me. And I don't know if you, you saw in my rankings, all of the bloodline guys I just set at the end of the, the list. <laughs> because <laughs> I believe there's a value associated with it. Um, you know, spoiler alert for the wide receiver position, but he's super undersized. Um, one of the smallest backs in this draft. He's not built like his dad. Um, played at Southern Miss, so level of competition's an, an issue as well. Um, I saw some people that had him significantly higher than either you or I have. So I'm not saying at all an indictment, but where did you see Gore that got you here to 14 early on and any other insight about him other than his last name? Uh, his first name? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it does carry a little weight. I think there is <clears throat> something you just assume, right? Not knowing the full stories. There's a lot of guys in baseball now <laughs> that, whose dads played when I was a kid. It's like, Oh, so-and-so's son. So whether being around the game or getting that kind of training when you're younger, I, I will, unless I hear otherwise, I will give those guys a little bump. And like you said, spoiler, spoiler alert at wide receiver. I mean, he's, you would assume he's picking up some knowledge from his dad. Um, but yeah, the, the size is concerning. Yeah. I mean, 75 career receptions, you know, to two twenty plus reception seasons, almost 700 receiving yards and four touchdowns, 9.2 yards per reception. Like you like, you like what you see. He, he handled over 200 carries twice in his college career. Um, 20 rushing, 19 rush touchdowns his last two seasons, you know, but 4.9 yards per carry in the Sun Belt conference. Eh. Makes me believe there's just some, uh, some tackle breaking <clears throat> issues with him. Like, sure. If he gets an open space, He's going to pick up yards and get touchdowns, but you know, you know, sub five yards per carry in the Sun Belt gives me uh, gives me a little bit of pause. Anyone else in that kind of I mean, look at Deuce Vaughn, another undersized guy who ended up doing nothing in the NFL. So I obviously giant red flags there could be the next Deuce Vaughn. Nobody wants Frank Gore Jr. and Deuce Vaughn. I think are still in different weight classes, which goes to show you how small. Deuce Vaughn is and why he will never be a productive NFL player. But yeah, I mean, Frank Gore on this list is one of the smallest backs on almost across the board. Jawar Jordan is listed at the same 185, but is at least five foot 10, you know, a a little bit taller, you know, potential to put on some more weight. I don't think, you know, at five, eight, that Frank Gore is packing on any more functional weight and maintaining whatever, you know, speed and explosiveness he, he likely has and relies on at present. So, um, if, if he wasn't Frank Gore jr, if he was Frank Johnson, 
the first yeah. from Southern mm-hmm. Miss, it wouldn't even be a 20 for me. I agree. All right. Anyone else? Uh, bubbling bottom of the list that you want? Not really. You said Jawar Jordan. You sent me a video of him the other day. I fell in love with that guy. So it was very curious to see where he goes. Uh, fucking lightning bolty, but yeah, 185 is a little concerning. See if we can put on a little weight and keep that speed. Boy, did I enjoy yeah. watching his videos. Yeah, he's super fun. Um, for an undersized back, he's he's pretty. He, he doesn't he like, run little. No, I mean, he's so yeah, there's, I'm like, yeah, I couldn't find the word. Yeah, he doesn't run little. Yeah, exactly. Um, he's 19 right above Frank Gore Jr. for me. So I'm still, you know, punishing the undersized backs. But yeah, love the player. He, you know, George Jordan's at 16 for you. Um, fun tape mm-hmm. uh, to watch for the Louisville Pro. I, I would be shocked if he's not in the 10 to 12 range within a couple weeks for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's a, uh, he is a favorite of, uh, of ours. He is listed as five, nine, one seventy two on, uh, college football reference. So Ooh, even little, that's, that's, uh, that's not good. Not he good. didn't he look did. that little to me. I mean, he, he's obviously undersized, but kind of like you say, first of all, he's super fast. He was blowing past defensive backs, which is not easy to do because they're pretty quick. And like like you said, when you watch him, he doesn't look small. I mean, people were not easily tackling him. He seemed to break a lot of tackles, put his head down, and ran guys over. So I'm actually shocked if he's 179. Yeah, I mean, he handled 202 touches at Louisville this year, 1,374 yards, 6.8 yards per clip with 14 touchdowns. Um, I think the combine is going to be extremely telling um, for that young man, but he's he is a he's, fun watch. He's going 4-3, isn't he? Uh, yeah, I would assume so, just Can game speed. Flying. You know, he, uh, he floats. Like, he has that speed where it doesn't look like his feet totally touch the ground. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now to a deeper position before we finish on the, the tight end is wide receiver. And spoiler alert, we both have Marvin Harrison Jr. <clears throat> as our one. Uh, that's not going to change, right? There's literally nothing that can happen to get anyone above Marvin Harrison I mean, Jr. <clears throat> the thing that <clears throat> excuse me, the thing that keeps him at one for me is I think he has Spoiler alert, one of my two. I've got Keon Coleman. I think Keon Coleman has a higher ceiling than Harris, but his floor is in the fucking basement of a 90 million year old hotel. Harrison, I think, is safe. Like, even if Harrison sucks, he'll be, or not sucks, even if he doesn't meet uh, expectations, he'll still be like a viable wide receiver, too, wide receiver three for fantasy, where Coleman you may be cutting him in 2026. But I, I think Coleman could have a better career than Harrison. I think he's got tremendous upside. But, yeah, the, the none of the other guys have the safety and upside combo that Harrison does. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I said that I just placeholdered the – you know, the the bloodlines at the bottom of list. Well, clearly at the top as well. Um, and his dad was an amazing wide receiver – and this kid's just a bigger version of him at 6'3", 202. Um, he's locked and loaded for me. I don't have Keon Coleman at two. This was a uh, pretty 
pretty significant discrepancy of the three that I identified. I have Keon Coleman at eight, um, which doesn't, not that I don't like the player. Um, I just saw a big bodied contested catch guy and I'm getting further away from that profile. Um, the, I the more I evaluate, um, could that hit? Yes. Um, are they some of the biggest busts we've seen in the last <laughs> several years? Also, yes. He could be um, Traylon Burks again, which is no yeah, good. You get away with it in college, right? You just, you do. I mean, you're just a little bigger, fa- faster, stronger. Well, everyone's bigger, faster, stronger in the NFL, right? And quarterbacks aren't throwing contested balls now that often <laughs> anymore. I mean, we're talking throwing windows at this point in time, right? Like, I, I have concerns with Coleman. Um, Here, give right you a now. landing spot. Let's see where you move him. How about he goes to the Buffalo Bills? <clears throat> I mean, I like it because I don't think Diggs is long for the team. And they're and, not and Josh Allen them. doesn't mind throwing a couple <laughs> YOLO yeah, he'll throw some, yeah, he'll, he'll throw some YOLO balls <laughs> as well and has the arm to do it. So, yeah, that, that would certainly be a plus landing spot for him. It would still have to be. When did they draft him? I don't believe Colin sure. goes in the first round. I, I've heard first round buzz on him. I don't. I don't see him going in the first round. I think he's a day two pick. Which listen, a ton of good re- receivers have been selected <laughs> in round two of the NFL draft, especially in the last several years because it's such a deep position anymore. So again, not an indictment. I wouldn't tank him for going in the second round uh, of drafts. I just, I'm just not sold on, on the player um, personally. So. Wait and see. Neighbors is my two. Um, those Harrison and Neighbors for me are I, short of some, you know, unforeseen, you know, off-field issues from either of those young gentlemen. They're not moving from that spot. Um, I could almost write that in pen that they're going to be one and two for me. I think they just have very complete, very translatable games um, for the NFL, and we're extremely productive as well. I mean, they're going to test well. Yeah, I'm sure they're going to interview well. I just I don't see any red flags, you know, from these players, and I like both of their profiles. You have neighbors at three, so you're right there, neighbors as well. I have a doomsday. What's up? I don't, and I don't see how until the pipeline stops. I, I don't see how you could fade any of the Ohio State or LSU guys for the foreseeable future until we get uh, a couple of busts that come out of there. I think even by default, you give these guys, you know a one or two spot bump unless you really, really like whoever's ahead of them. Yeah. It's a benefit of the doubt situation other than Keishon Butte, right. Who clearly <laughs> is spending his entire college career gambling. Oh yeah. 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 And then after, you know, after the draft, obviously you can adjust, but yeah. Yeah. But I agreed. Um, and we'll be talking about another LSU product in, in short order as well. Um, like I said, I have a Dunes at three, you have a Dunes at four. Um, like the player, you know, I think he's pretty complete. Um, I, I won't say bust proof, but uh, I'm pretty confident you're going to get a wide receiver two slash three out of him for, for several years with upside um, for more. I have LSU wide receiver Brian Thomas Jr. at four. You have him at seven. Lanky compliment receiver to Malik Neighbors, who was pretty explosive um, himself. Listen, at 6'5", 198. So long but lean. Um there's a lot of bigger bodies in, in this draft, um, but he doesn't play like the contested catch game. 
he just plays like the wingspan game. And I really like the player. Um, I, I have two LSU wide receivers in my top four. So I'm right there with you, with you. Give the LSU guys a little bit of a bump. Um, I just like Brian Thomas's game. I was watching Malik Neighbors and kept seeing Brian Thomas um, in those games, which kind of harkens back to Jaden Daniels. And, you know, mm-hmm. Jaden Daniels wasn't really Jaden Daniels um, until this year. And I have two of his receivers in the top four of my uh, rookie rankings. So is Jaden Daniels what we think he is? Yeah, I, I'm starting to come around the other way that, yeah, these good receivers make – <clears throat> I don't want to say lesser than that trash. I think Jaden Daniels is fine, but I think if he goes to an NFL team with shit weapons, I don't think you're going to see any immediate success. Whereas, you know, I, I, I think having <laughs> these two guys to throw to tremendously help you as a quarterback, and you may not have that at the next level. Listen, and anyone thinks I'm just taking shots at Jaden Daniels here. All right. So Jaden Daniels, exceeded 70% completion percentage this year, which is unheard of, which is the highest of his five-year career. Again, this kid is an Arizona straight transfer, and not to go back to quarterbacks, but fifth-year senior as well. And 11.7 yards per attempt. His previous career-high yards per attempt was 8.7 back at his <laughs> freshman year at Arizona State. His yards per attempt actually decreased every single year of his college career, 8.7, 8.3, 7.9, 7.5. He became less <laughs> of a proficient passer on a yards per attempt basis. And also if you take out his 40 touchdown four interception season as a senior, he has a career 49 to 16 interception to turnover ratio. So this last year of his was otherworldly. And I have to think that having him leak neighbors and a Brian Thomas jr. Uh, at wide receiver was a large uh, piece uh, of that equation. So you just scared me into bumping him down. I think he's going to, I mean, he's listen, the kid runs the, the, like a gazelle. I mean, he's, she's thin as shit. Like, <clears> I don't know that that's DJ Daniels listed as 6'3, 185 for a quarterback. I mean, for a kid that runs as much as he does 617 career rush attempts, 34 touchdowns. I mean, he's not going to get away with that in the NFL. We um, think about these guys that we've as easy as like a Lamar Jackson or anyone else either. Like he gets popped. <laughs> Yeah, and I I wonder, too, like, I think about these guys that we don't see really break out at quarterback till they're seniors. And with the exception of Joe Burrow, just off the top of my head, I don't think any of them have been that good. I mean, Kenny Pickett, Mac Jones, uh, off the top of my head, and and Joe Burrow, and I know there's more, but, yeah, the fact that it took him – a 13-year college career to find the pop when he's <laughs> find yeah. the pop when he's 27 is a little concerning, <laughs> especially with these receivers. So yeah, yeah, so, just talking this out, I'm moving them down to five, I think. There you go. Good. I'm happy for you. Um <laughs> all right. So beyond him, I have Troy Franklin at five. You have Troy Franklin at five. So both like the the long and lean. Troy Franklin listed at six two, one seventy. I mean, these body types anymore and these receivers. And let's just go to your number six, Xavier Worthy, listed at 6'1", 160. I mean, I don't even know how that's healthy to be that skinny at that size. I'm a shade over six foot, and I wouldn't be considered you know, healthy by BMI standards, but I couldn't <laughs> imagine walking around being 160 pounds at, at six foot tall. You know, um, these guys need to eat more. 
mean, I didn't realize they, he was that it. small. You, you've speed I had no idea. Yeah, speed's a part of your game, but yeah, it's because he's tall, so it doesn't look it. But yeah, he is rail thin. Um, you know what though? And I, I'm coming around to it's still important, but I, I I don't think it's as big a deal as it used to be. I mean, we you know look at uh, Slim Reaper and look at you know Tutu Atwell suddenly started showing up in the NFL field, and I, I know there's other guys whose names are escaping me, but this whole class last year was a pretty undersized class. I mean, Downs was a little guy. He had a good year. Um, I can't remember who else was in this recent class, but this was a small class last year. Addison, Addison's a little guy, and he had a fucking great year. So I'm wondering if, yeah, the the, the super undersized thing may not be a big deal. I mean, look at Tank Dell's another one. So if they, you know, I want to see him run some more routes. I need to get a little more into the weeds, so to speak, on a lot of these undersized guys. But where in years past, like just looking at the run another list here, Franklin says 170, Worthy's 160, uh, Cowling is 170, where I would almost always knock those guys out of my top 12. I'm not as spooked as I was in years past. No, I'm right there with you. I mean, just looking a lot of these guys just have 200 pound placeholders. I'm sure per their, their teams, there's one, two, three, four guys that have a weight listed North of 200 flat pounds in your top 21. Like that's just, this just, it's, it's good. Now you can do that because you can't hit these receivers, you know, all this motion and shit. You don't jam, you don't get jammed off the line. So you're creating space for these space players that, yeah, they, they don't have to be, AJ Brown, DK Metcalf anymore to be successful receivers. I mean, CD Lamb sub two hundred pounds. Justin Jefferson, literally, I think, was right at two hundred pounds uh, when when he checked in. Um, I'm assuming Amon Ross St. Brown sub two hundred pounds. Um, you know, these you don't yeah you don't have to be a physical specimen anymore to to last a wide receiver. Look, a, a Don I Mitchell, um, six four one ninety. I mean, he's he's built just like uh, Brian Thomas is. <laughs> I mean, yeah. literally. Nor six four taller, hundred and you know, sub two hundred pounds. I mean, both long and lean. Um, we we both like both of those players. You know, both within our top ten. Um, there are a few names. Devontae Walker. I'm I'm high on Tez Walker. Um, transferred into USC. Got got screwed by the NCA for like half of the season. Um, but did finally uh, was finally cleared to play. <clears throat> stepped on the field and just immediately was Drake May's top target. Yeah, he's um, too low for me. I already. Uh regretted that when I was watching some Drake May stuff last night. You you said it for somebody else. You were watching somebody and this other guy. Oh, I think you said watching Malik Neighbors and yeah, Thomas was Tom. jumping off the field. I was watch, trying to watch Drake May, and, and instead I'm like, fuck, this Walker guy is pretty good. So, yeah, I this was my yeah. initial. Yeah, and then, I mean, yeah, when I get into it more, yeah, he's not going to be 11 for me at all. He's probably going to be. You've got him up at seven. I might have him, yeah, seven, eight, nine-ish. Yeah, the huge fan of the player. I actually have him above Keon Coleman in my rankings. Then um, we both have Xavier Leggett, who's getting a lot of pub, is like this thicker-bodied receiver. It took a few years before he finally popped. Listed at 6'1", 217. Um, interested to 
really see him. He's at the senior bowl. See what, see what he's able to do down there. He was a college, a high school quarterback convert, mm-hmm. which, you know, kind of explains the late breakout for him. Um, I always like those guys. He's, yeah. And he's, he's kind of the exception body type um, built more like a Debo Samuel uh, than the rest of these guys. Um, game, not really so much Debo Samuel, but still a physical wide receiver. Do like the player. Um, so, you know, sitting at 10 for the both of us. Malachi Corley, talking about a Debo Samuel type player. Um, if you haven't watched his tape yet. Uh, I, I think you sent me a link a couple months ago. Yeah. Before I mean, the season ended. Because he was, I remember when I did these rankings, I remember going, I think there's a Western Kentucky kid I want to move up. And then when I saw him, I was like, oh, this is him. But I didn't go back and look at anything, so I didn't adjust it. But, yeah, I knew that I liked somebody <laughs> from Western Kentucky. Yeah, it's him. I mean, that, yeah. it's, uh, he, he's our type of player. Um, yeah, and I think you know, if, if he pops at the Senior Bowl and then tests accordingly, we're, we're both going to be moving him up in, <laughs> in short order. After that – we have a lot of senior bowl guys because one, there's a lot of senior bowl guys this year. So anyone of the lad McConkey, Roman Wilson, Jamari thrash, Jacob Callen, Ricky Persall, uh, you know, Brendan rice, Luke McCaffrey, uh, who else, you know, that, that I'm forgetting here that, that you wanted to, to point out. I mean, you, you shared a video with me uh, about McCaffrey and then we've been talking about these, these legacy players, but <clears throat> We've seen his dad, seen his brother. No reason to think he can't be slightly serviceable at the NFL level. Be interesting to see what kind of draft capital he gets. Um, but looks good on tape. I mean, he's never going to be a, a, a stud wide receiver one, but obviously you can only have 12 of those guys anyway. So it would be, be interesting to see where he lands and uh, how they want to use him. And just because I'm a, I'm a homer, I, I do like Roman Wilson um, from Michigan. Again, probably going to be landing spot dependent and what kind of relationship he builds with his quarterback. I mean, I don't think he was Michigan's best receiver, but because <laughs> McCarthy liked him and trusted him, the guy got a shit ton of time. It seemed like every game when I get updates on my phone, it was a Roman Wilson touchdown. So I, I think he's got a nose for the end zone. Now, whether that was a factor of just how McCarthy looked for him or if that's just kind of his game, remains to be seen, but I, I do kind of like him as a guy who we could see active in the uh, red zone. Yeah. Roman Wilson will be drafted by the LA chargers. That's, that's what I or, thought too. It's funny. You said that. Conclusion. he'll be, uh, I think he's a day three pick and at that, that, that value, yeah, the chargers will jump on him. You know, so Harbaugh can bring him uh, with them to the, the Los Angeles area. I, I like the player too. He's a 15 for you. He's at um, 17 for me. Um, Luke McCaffrey. And if you didn't know, he started off college as a, as a quarterback as well. We we're talking about mm-hmm. uh, Xavier Leggett converting. Well, the, uh, Luke McCaffrey started off in, in Nebraska and was really a quarterback <laughs> when, when, when he started um, his, his college career. He wasn't a good one. Um <laughs> but he, he was one, you know, even when he transferred to rice, he still played quarterback um, his first year in 2021. He didn't really transition to a wide receiver until 22 and 23, um, you know, and was extremely productive where he, he had 129 receptions uh, over the last two years and 19 touchdowns. He's, he's fearless 
when he is going up, you know, to, to catch a football. Um, and he's another guy that likely sees the field differently, right. As a converted quarterback. I mean, like Cooper cup was the converted quarterback type You hear A lot of these guys that, you know, just understand defenses because they were a quarterback yeah. at one point in time. And I can see him being that guy. Like, yeah, never, you know, a, never a wide receiver one, but could be like a wide receiver three for you for, you know, eight to 10 years because he's going to be where you need him to be. He's, you know, he's going to come down with the ball in contested situations. I, I do like the player. I just think yeah, he has, he has clear limitations um, in his ability, but not small six to 200 pounds for, for Luke McCaffrey. So um, like the player, I, I do like the player. Jacob Cowing is one, the last guy I wanted to talk about super undersized, um, but, just electric, like jitter buggy. Um, listed at 5'11, 170. I think he came in smaller than that at the senior bowl. As a matter of fact, I, I went ahead and put the senior bowl stuff in here. So why don't I go and just look real quick and see what he actually was measured at? And 5'8, 165, 5'8 and a half, 165. So much like most college players, smaller than his listed height and weight. Um, but I'm not as terrified of that as I used to be. Um, I like this kid. Um, and in Arizona, he, he played inside and out, you know, he, uh, was extremely productive during his time there when they had some, some bona fide NFL type receivers, uh, you know, that he had to compete with. I liked the player a lot. If he was legit five eleven, one seventy, 170, I'd probably have him higher than 15 for me. You mentioned real quick, uh, before we go to tight ends, you mentioned Roman Wilson, possibly going on the chargers or even with Harbaugh. We didn't mention it. It's kind of a lazy narrative, but going back to running backs, I think Blake Corum would be great with the Chargers, and and I could see, you know, probably end of round two, beginning of round three kind of a pick. I could see the Chargers putting him in there, and, you know, Eckler is obviously on his way out. The other guys there have done nothing, but I could see a Blake Corum Chargers backfield in 2024, 20, 25. Uh, easily. Uh, the chargers have picked 69 in the third round. Nice. Which is just beautiful. And then one Oh five in the fourth round, they have early picks. It's not even like factoring in compensatory picks. Well, yeah, I guess it is already. They don't have any. Um, so yeah, they have early third and fourth round picks. I don't, you know, they're not going to use pick 37 on him, but it's funny. I, I put out a tweet, you know, not too long ago pretty much just saying it's a, it's a foregone conclusion that Blake Corum is going to be the starting running back for the LA chargers in 2024. Yeah. It might just be not going to pay Michigan West. Yeah. They're not going to pay Austin Eckler and the guys that are there aren't going to get the job done. So why not just take your bell cow back from Michigan, you know, and just beat him up on a rookie deal. He's, he's already an older prospect because he stayed for his, his entire tenure there, but that would be, he, he would immediately be an RB one. In Dynasty, yeah, if he was yeah, because Harbaugh would trust him implicitly, and Harbaugh likes running the ball. He's a run-first coach. <laughs> that kid's stock would would go through the absolute roof. The one guy you don't have on here before we transition, I think, once you actually get into the Senior Bowl and the players, and where a lot of the guys that we know and trust in this industry <clears throat> from a talent evaluation perspective, Javon Baker of UCF. I think he started at Alabama, if memory serves me correctly, and transferred because he wasn't playing at Bama. 
He uh, he's a fun one. I have issue. Doesn't really seem like he does a lot after the catch. Yeah, he started at Bama. Um, listed at six two one ninety five. Been spent the last two seasons at UCF. Caught over fifty balls each of the last two seasons. This last year, he had eleven hundred yards. Averaged just under 22 yards per catch and seven touchdowns for the, I guess they're the, the UCF Knights. I think they're the something Knights. Uh, which one is it? might it? be yeah, the Golden Knights, Knights actually. I, thought, I almost went with Golden Knights, but that's your uh, your uh, Las Vegas Golden Knights. They are just the Knights, um, which feels like something's missing there. Um, a little bit of a lacking team name, but he's getting a lot of senior bowl pub, um, and he's a guy that, before they even yeah, once once senior bowl happens, you 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 will have uh, Javon Baker in your top twenty. I always like that. Last and for as far as we're concerned, certainly not least, the tight end position. Now this is top heavy. Brock Bowers is the tight end one. This is another one where right in pen. He's not moving for either one of us. Yeah. Slightly undersized, but oh my god, productive. I mean, if he can put on a little bit of weight, um, but you don't need to be prototype size anymore. There, the NFL is finding ways. Look at what Evan Ingram just led the the tight end position. I think in reception mm-hmm. this last year as an undersized tight end. Like, you don't have to be 260 pounds anymore. Um, you have to be functional, um, you know, in the run game and a difference maker in the pass game, and you will see the field. And that's what Brock Bowers is by definition. Second, Jatavian Sanders, kind of more the prototype size build, 6'4", 256, good hands, good blocker, pretty complete tight end himself out of Texas. There are are one and twos. You have Cade Stover at three, the Ohio State product. I have him at six. I I like the player. Um, Interesting story. Uh, He started off playing defense at Ohio State. He was a defensive end for them um, before converting to play tight end. I think these last two seasons and was super productive this last year, which is really unheard of for Ohio state tight ends. Um, So I I like the player as well. Um, And obviously a strong kid is, you know, converting from the defensive side of the ball. This is six, four, two fifty five as well. Like checks a lot of boxes. Jaheim bell is one who, doesn't check as many boxes <laughs> because of his size. Um, at the Senior Bowl, Jaheim Bell, give me a second. Checked in at six foot one and seven twelfths. I, I still don't understand why they do the six oh six oh one seven. It's I guess seven twelfths of another inch. So six <laughs> foot one and a half, two hundred and forty-four pounds. Yeah, you know. Too many numbers. 244 pounds. So he's put on weight, but he's shorter. He's almost full two inches shorter than his stated height, um, which anyone that watches him knows he was undersized. I mean, to put on that weight, clearly he's trying to prove something, as most guys don't come in a full 14 pounds heavier than their stated college weight. Um, Especially at his size, it would almost seem like he'd do better of being the undersized tight end than kind of the heavy undersized tight end have we seen any of that i'm trying to think any put on that much weight and i'm thinking just undersized tight ends why you would want to gain no that's what i mean lost on smith yeah i mean that's mm, that's yeah i mean it's 
it's a bit confusing um, to me. Um, he's always he's long been a gadget player. He started off at South Carolina, ended up at Florida State. I mean, he's had more uh, almost as many rush attempts in his career as receptions. Now, granted, that was largely all in his third year in South Carolina, where they they handed the ball to him 70, 73 times. Um, <laughs> let, me, let, let me. I'm laughing here. Let's go behind the scenes a little bit. I, I don't know much about him. I know he exists. As you're walking me through his career and his numbers and things he's done, I said to myself, it sounds like Walk is describing Jalen Samuels. Uh, then I pull up on the spreadsheet you made. I'm <laughs> working off this Excel spreadsheet Walk made. Next to Jaheim Bell, you wrote Jalen Samuels. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's uh, – it, Hey, your description was Jalen Samuels. How fucking funny that I thought that, and you had great minds written that. Down. Think the like. The irony is Jalen Samuels was far more productive at NC State than Jaheim Bell was at South Carolina and Florida State. So, I feel like he's ultimately like setting himself up to be like a fullback. I don't know. Like, I mean, you see Patrick Ricard at like north of three hundred pounds, you know, doing it. Like, I don't know. Yeah, like, the guy in the not- Packers, he's gonna be. The next Jacob DeGuara. <laughs> yeah, he just realized he's not tall enough. So he has to, you know, either he has to drop weight and then try and compete as a receiver, which he's probably not athletic enough to do, or pack on weight and then interest someone as like an H back type, which, you know, listen, creative enough OC, there's utility, but I just don't think he's ever going to be an every down player, which is my concern. No. That's why he's at seven for me. Um, I have Theo Johnson at three. You don't have Theo Johnson currently listed to your top six. Neil Johnson's six foot six, 250 pounds. This is like the built in a lab tight end. He also had seven touchdowns this past season in, in only 13 games. So limited action. I'm, I'm starting to believe that Penn state's becoming a little bit of a pipeline uh, for the tight end position might not be the sexiest guys, the Mike Gusecki's, the Pat Fryer moose. You know, I just think Theo Johnson's next in line here. Um, I, I still think he has room to grow uh, as a player. Um, so, Draft capital is going to go a long way for me. I did put Eric all at four. Literally, it was because he transferred to Iowa. Um, that was that was it. Um, not extremely productive, but I I do like I do like Iowa tight ends. There are some that are going to be coming out in the next few years behind him that are that are going to impress more. But I I did like the player a little bit. Um, what I watched about him, Dallin Holker out of Colorado state is my five. He's six foot five and only 225 pounds. So he's doing the opposite of Jaheim bell. He's, he's not trying to be something he isn't. He also went on a Mormon mission for two years um, during his time at BYU. So he's an older prospect too, but we saw Trey McBride out of Colorado state. Now there's a little doc Darren Dallin Holker out of Colorado state. I, I like the tape of him. Um, he could stand to put on a little bit of weight. Um, but, I, I did like the player um, and uh, think that there's there's a world where he's a contributor in, in the professional level. So he, he made it up to five for me. Your five was Ben Sanat, who's a senior bowl guy, like like the player as well. I had Sanat at nine. And then you had Bryson Nesbitt at UNC at your six, and Bryson Nesbitt's currently my eighth prospect. I do have Johnny Wilson listed as a tight end. You had him. At wide receiver, Johnny Wilson is six foot six and change, 
And here we go. Let's go back to these senior bowl measurements. Since we have them, we might as well take advantage. Six foot six and one twelfth of an inch, 237 pounds. He's, you know, a couple dinners away from just being like, if you, if you, I told you, Hey, this prospect came out, he's a tight end. He's six foot six, 245 pounds. Like, that's awesome. Let's, uh, let's go check this guy out. Well, that, that's Johnny Wilson. And he, he is fast for a big guy, but he doesn't separate, um, which I just, I cannot see a world where he is a wide receiver in the NFL. I forget the guy that I said last would not be a wide receiver because he was too big to be a wide receiver and he just needed to convert to tight end. And I, I don't know that it ever happened and he never happened either. Well, th- now that's Johnny Wilson. If he doesn't, I, I don't know that he doesn't get drafted as a tight end, to be totally honest with you. So I'm just jumping the gun and, and listed him as a tight end. And I just place hold him at, at 10 for me. Yeah. The only guy kind of in this lower range I'm interested in uh, is Brighton Nesbitt. And again, I, Going back to watching Drake May, I was watching the Drake May thing, and then Nesbitt kind of jumped off the page to me. I was like, oh, this guy looks pretty good as a receiving option as tight. And then he's not a small fella, 6'6", 245, if that is correct. So I, I do like him. Uh, again, you know, everything changes at the combine, landing spots, all that shit. But I, I was impressed with the little bit of film I saw on him by accident looking at Drake May. Yeah, Nesbitt, so Junior Declare uh, had 35 and 40 receptions each of the last two seasons, over 500 yards receiving each of those two seasons, and four and five touchdowns respectively. So, yeah, productive tight end, you know, in, in a Drake Maylet offense, more the prototype size, like 6'6", 245. That's, that's not even 10 pounds off of what Johnny Wilson is currently listed at. Um, I like the player as well. Um, I, I think – he could easily move above like a Jaheim Bell for me. And if his combine wows, I, I could move him in front of like the cage stove or even down Holkers. Uh, Eric Alls of the world for me. There's, there's a world where Nesbitt is easily inside my top five. If, you know, testing and draft capital, um, yeah. you know, are, uh, are above what I expect. Yeah. I, like I said, I, I was, I wasn't blown away, but I definitely took notice of him watching Drake May tape. I was like, oh, that guy's pretty good. Yeah, good player. Uh, wise of you to to list him early. All right, so that is our rip through our pre-combine rookie rankings. We promise we will not delete these, um, so we'll have them to reference in the future. Um, for our accountability segments, we will be also – releasing our post combine then our post nfl draft post nfl draft are our final rookie rankings uh of the process you would mention that this is senior bowl week so this is the official start of you know the dynasty off season you know where even you know the most casual fan is starting to get to know some of these players and this should be a very interesting senior bowl there's been several years where i was just like eh, yeah nobody's probably. playing in it yeah, the prospects are, and people aren't playing. And so, well, listen, not the case. I mean, Sam Hartman, jo- Joe Milton, Bo Nix, Michael Penix, uh, Michael Pratt, and Spencer Rattler, along with Carter Bradley, who is like a D3 quarterback, um, are all names, you know, all of which 
it, except for this Carter Bradley, which I don't know anything about, will be drafted um, or be probably priority free agents um, at the end of the day. Every running back is north of 200 pounds in this draft, the smallest being your guy, Dijon Edwards, who came in at 5'9", 202. So all prototype build guys are some shorter guys you know, in the 5'7 range, like the Kamani Vidal's and the Imani Bailey's of the world, but all north of 200 pounds. From the receiver perspective, there's there's you, you pick your flavor. There's like, you know, there's the, there's the six foot, six, 237 pound Johnny Wilson. And then there's the, the five foot, 865 pound Jacob Cowing, you know, and, and everything in between, you know, a bunch of six foot guys like dabbling in the 200 pound range. Um, you know, mostly all between five ten and six foot from 180 to, to 200 pounds. So, you know, kind of the new, wide receiver body type in the NFL. And then on the, on the tight end front, Jaheim Bell's there who tested him. We already said him, Theo Johnson. So you'll get an idea as to Theo Johnson in this game. He, he came in at six foot six, 257 pounds. So he's, he's putting on weight and he's built like Jimmy Graham um, is, is what I see when I see Theo Johnson, Ben Sinat, your guys there, AJ Barner, tight end from Michigan's there. And then there's two other guys that I'm not entirely aware of Brevin Span Ford and Jared Wiley, also from the tight end position. So yeah, this is going I'm I'm actually excited to watch the senior bowl this year. And East West Shrine Bowl is tomorrow night also. If anyone mm, can shit right. about that. Do you know what the difference no, is between Thursday the two? Night. How do, how do they work? Cuz aren't there guys that can like, go down to the senior bowl after the East West Shrine Bowl too? Like that happens from time to time. I think the Shrine Bowl is just the lesser of the two. I don't think there's any uh Yeah, so you got to you but you can punch your way up like if a guy really pops at the Shrine Bowl. I don't remember too many people double dip. Like I've heard, like they see. I mean, it's possible, yeah, but yeah, okay. That's that's how I took it too. I don't pay a lot of attention to the Shrine Bowl. No disrespect to the Shrine Bowl or the players, um, but I can't recall a lot of dialogue as to like, hey, this guy from the East West Shrine Bowl, you know, mm-hmm. ended up being a, a superstar <laughs> in the NFL. Yeah, right. I'm sure it has happened, but it happens quite frequently, especially for fantasy football purposes um, for these players, you know, at the Senior Bowl. Yeah, well, this is always <clears throat> this is always a, a I was gonna say fun. It is it is fun, but this is always an eye opener for me because yeah, this is for a lot of guys. This is the first time I I hear their name, and then now I kind of just <laughs> spend a couple of nights putting each name into YouTube and looking for highlights, lowlights, all that stuff, and then that kind of really impacts where I start shifting these guys. So this is always this is the start of the fun part for me for fantasy. Like I'm so happy the regular season's over. Now I'm like, ooh, there's stuff to do now that I'm looking forward to. So hopefully people enjoyed this, got familiar, heard a couple names maybe they didn't hear before. But, yeah, I uh, I always appreciate your level of preparation for this. You know these guys a lot more for, than me, and you, you have already changed my rankings for a couple of guys. So thanks for that. But, yeah, I do uh, – this is, to me, the start of the fun part of Dynasty. Oh yeah, I mean this is this this like recharges the engine, right? After you know, last couple of years, frustration, you know, in various capacities for you know injuries or disappointing teams or the like in certain leagues, or then it's like okay, well now I get early draft picks because of it, you know. So yeah. let's let's fix let's fix things, and this is a draft to fix things. I mean, it's a bad running back draft. I mean, that's kind of been beaten you know uh relentlessly but it's a great wide receiver draft it's a very good quarterback draft especially in super flex leagues it's a decent tight end class and we know there's going to be running backs that end up 
being something in the league. A lot of these guys is going to come down to landing spot. You know, it's just, do they fall on a shallow depth chart? Right. And then we're going to start, you know, the, the, those individuals will start bubbling up more so than, than draft capital. There's not going to be a first round running back taken here. There might only be one or two second round running backs taken. There's going to be a lot of third round and day three running backs uh, that are taken in, in this draft. So, you know, if they land in a Los Angeles for the Chargers, they're going to skyrocket up because that's a that's a shallow putting in mildly depth chart and there's you know several other teams where i mean tennessee is a good landing spot yeah, yeah. i think that's a great Spears guys but yeah decent landing spot there as well um you know the new england patriots who knows what they're going to do i think zeke was only a one-year deal i don't know what lamar situation is i believe he's a free agent you know like a cincinnati bengals like even if joe if uh, joe mixon's back it's definitely his last year but he could be a cut for cap reasons I think they Why? like uh, what's his name. Yeah, I, I like they like Chase Brown too, but I don't think they see Chase Brown as an every down back. So that's a scenario where you you get with a high powered offense, you know, for for the foreseeable future that could that could bear fruit. The the Houston Texans. I mean, listen, they they signed Devin Singletary to a one year deal, and the only other person there is Damian Pierce. You wouldn't want the wouldn't want the running back, you know, in a CJ Stroud led offense. I would. Yeah, you're you're making some compelling cases. Yeah. <laughs> Those are all good yeah. spots. I mean, shit, Dallas Cowboys. They they don't even have a running back on on the roster right now. Tony Pollard yeah. free agent, so is Rico Dowdle. I mean, and I'm sure there's more that you know, listen, the New York Giants, Saquon's a free agent. Who the fuck do they got? Matt Breda? Yep. I mean, there's there's running back starting running back spots that are open right now. And again, there's probably a handful more that, you know, we're just top of our head in it right here. Um, yeah. You know what? The Vikings. For a class that we're trashing, oh, no, this sucks. Yeah. The Vikings. You put, they they have Madison, but clearly they lost faith in him. Um, you put these I, top four guys in yeah. any of those landing spots. They're all <clears throat> Benson they're all to Tennessee, Braylon Allen to fucking uh, Houston. Jonathan Brooks goes to San Diego. Well, say Quorum goes to San Diego. <laughs> Chargers. Never and Brooks it. goes to the Giants. Yeah. Those are four now first round rookie picks without yeah. a doubt. Top yeah. six. Yeah. I mean, even when you look at guys that it doesn't look as obvious, like the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah. I mean, it's James Conner. It's, you know, he, he did well last year, but he got hurt again. He gets hurt every year. This is his last year there. They're an emerging offense. I mean, there's, there's, there's going to be a, a lot more landing spots than I think we think or uh, that we want to believe. Now, there's also a ton of free agent running backs yeah. uh, as well that are going to land in some of these spots. Like Saquon is going to take a starting running back spot somewhere. If it's not New York, it's going to be elsewhere. Like he makes a boatload of sense for the for the Texans. I was me. just going to say Texans, man. Because they have an infinite amount of cap space because of all these rookies uh, that they have. And he would help CJ Stroud in that offense immensely, and they can afford to pay him. Um, you know, when most other teams wouldn't want to play the running back position, then there's like a Josh Jacobs and there's a Tony Pollard. Like maybe they don't like Tony Pollard proves he's not a starter anymore, but team will bring him in and he's going to have a lot of work in a in a backfield, which would limit some of these options. But a few of them are going to shake out <laughs> and be somewhere where we're like, oh wow. That's perfect. Uh, Barkley to Houston is exciting. 
just even yeah. think about that. What I a mean, perfect spot. It's ideal. It's ideal. Yeah. All right. Well, on that note, <laughs> we'll get out of here. Ran a little long, but a lot of guys to talk about, a lot of names out there. So uh, next week, I think we're going to just talk Super Bowl prop bets, right? Just get our yep. juices wet for the Super Bowl and then uh, following the Super Bowl and uh, probably do a little Senior Bowl recap, see what we thought of that. And then we're going to just be all rookies and rookie nonsense from here on out. So uh, be sure to check back. For myself, John Avari, my co-host, Matt Walker, we are the Fantasy 40, and we are out of Speaking of things in your eyes, I picked up a fucking second job I started over the weekend, bouncing again, and uh, four hours into my second shift, a, a gentleman fired a drink in my face. <laughs> yeah. Did you deserve it? No. He was a big Niners fan, so now I'm cheering for the Chiefs, I guess. He's Estonia. Him and a Lions uh, fan, I guess, were arguing, got a little heated, and then he refused to leave. So I gently escorted him out. <laughs>